Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and today I am bringing to you a message entitled, Welcome Home, based off of Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 30. That's Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 30. And I also have my dad here. Say hello, Dad. Hi, Todd. So let us dive into the word today. One time, Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if, Sa- if Satan is divided against and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his home. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy uh, can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. And I'm also going to continue on and read verses 31 through 35. Then Jesus's family, Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out to talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, "Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you." Jesus replied, "Who is my mother? Who are my brothers?" Then he looked at those around him and said, "Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Amen. Home is where the heart is. It is also where everyone who ever thought they knew you growing up lives. Oftentimes, uh, people will not let the past go for virtue of the present. Still, God wants us to witness to God's love among those who have known us longest. They, not, they may not believe their eyes, but welcome home. When have they ever believed you? I've often wondered what it would be like to serve my home church. Truth be told, I'm not sure I could do it. I would give it my all just like everything else, just like I give everything else. However, I'm not sure how successful I would be pastoring the church community I grew up in. There are, there are people who have, have done so. Heck, our, our own sadly late Reverend Frank, Dr. Frank Fowler uh, served for over 30 years at, at Hackettstown Trinity United Methodist Church and had a storied career there. He was meant to be at that location, touched many lives, had a very, very viable and successful ministry. However, I'm sure it did not come without its challenges, and that I would find his ministry 
to be the exception of the rule. Most pastors don't stay at their church for over 30 years. Most pastors don't have that kind of a storied career that he had. Uh, he was an exception to the rule. Um, far too often, I, I would imagine that visionary, insightful leaders probably get eaten alive by those who knew them. After all, I can hear, I can imagine them saying, who is this upstart kid who used to run around here and cause all of the trouble when he or she was young? Who do they think they are coming in here and telling us we're not following God? Look who's talking, pal. Just look who's talking. Some manners you were taught. I think back to the churches I've called my home church. I wonder, does my original home church know much about me at all? They know I'm a pastor and they're proud as heck about that, but do they know me? Do they know what brought me here? Who brought me here, rather? Do they know who brought me here? I think back to my home Methodist congregation. What a beautiful congregation that I got to serve in such wonderful ways. One of the most important things I did during that time was I served as uh, the youth as their youth pastor. Those were some of the best and most important uh, five years of ministry that I have ever gotten to to serve, uh, and I and I mean that they are some of the the best uh, years in ministry that I've had thus far. Um, granted, I'm not uh, just starting out in my ministry, but I'm not at the end of it either, so there's more years to come. Um, but they were some really good formative years in the beginning of my ministry. During those years as a youth pastor, um, I was serving youth who desperately needed to know that they were created and loved by God. During those years, I felt God work through me in a way that totally came out of my experience as a lost youth. I counseled people, spoke with their parents about suicide and cutting, about all sorts of different different problems they were going through. I was able to build up a trust. I was able to build up trust with the kids and the parents I ministered to. Both knew that I was there for them. And that is the way I saw it. As a parent, I wasn't just there for the youth, but for the parents as well. Now that role changes a bit between the two, but it is vital for a youth ministry. Uh, it is vital for a youth ministry to understand that your your youth pastor serves both the youth and the parents. Um, no successful youth ministry exists without that trust. And serving in ministry all these years has been a wonderful experience. I've gotten to serve a community of people who learned that they still had it in them to be an active church, an active vital church. I have served youth who were lost and confused about their way with Jesus. I'm currently serving a wonderful church community with so much potential for mission and outreach. I've not gotten to uh, serve in my home churches, but they have thankfully gotten to see me serve, and they've been so supportive and I never had to worry about how how my first the, my first appointments would treat me regarding my past. Why? Because I was new to my last two appointments. I never had to worry about that because it was new. They they knew about as much about me as I knew about them. I was discovering them, and they were discovering me. Um, and 
that put us all out to batting practice, right? We were all on equal footing uh, coming into to these two appointments because they uh, because they were equally having to learn about me as I was having to learn about them. Um, no one thought they knew me better than anyone else. I was new. The question was, how scary would I be? In new churches, the point is obvious. You learn how they do things. Uh, you learn what it means to be them. You, that is the role of every incoming pastor. Learn what it means to be a current member of your church and then get the church to put their best foot out there while growing along the way. Yet leading a church that has spent several years watching you grow up into your leadership, not so easy. Yet God has not called us to easy. God has called us to being faithful. We all have a past, a place where we discovered who we were as people and what it meant to push the limits to the edges. What's more, we all have people who observed us in the throes of learning life, and no doubt some of those observers forget how they did the very same things when they were our age. Yet that was then and this is us now. We have since had a change in our lives. We have since discovered there was more to life than just me. We discovered that there is God who has called us to bring the good news to people that living life is more than just fulfilling the daily bump and grind of day-to-day -day work and day-to-day -day drama. Because Christ has saved us and shown us our true purpose of being born again. We are called to see things from God's perspective, and we are supposed to guide, guide God's people toward where it is that God is calling us. That is the true call of a pastor, of a shepherd, right? To guide the flock. This is where the challenge can really kick in. This is where we can see the proverbial, you know what, hit the fan. People have no problem with a celebrity coming in to praise how awesome they are. However, they are not so quick to hear critique and points of change that are needed to be made. That's when things can get really tense. In today's scripture, Jesus had his first encounter at home. Just before this, he had been out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Prior to that, Jesus was just an average Jewish man earning his living inside his father's trade of carpentry. And all of a sudden, this John the Baptist character comes and baptized Jesus, along with countless others, and Jesus was whisked away into the wilderness. When he returned, he was not the same as when he left. He had been changed. Not only did he have the look of hunger and thirst on his face, however, there was a wild, mysterious light about him, as if he had faced some darkness and overcame it. And now, over a month later, this Jesus returned and acted like God had shown him the light. And what exactly? What? We're all supposed to go, ta-da, and act like he's the son of God or something? This is the same Jesus. This is that same Jesus whose mom had a funny reputation about her. This is that son of that carpenter Joseph, the brother of James, Jude, Titus, and others. So yeah, this was hard on Jesus. No doubt. It hurts to get rejected by those you grew up knowing. 
I cannot think of a pain more sharp than that. Well, that and the pain of being rejected by one's own family, which I know a little bit about. Uh, I've seen family members struggle with ostracization and with um, with uh, scrutiny and persecution within family. The family dynamic can be a, a rough one sometimes. I've seen daughters go without their fathers and uh, without their mothers and sons as well. I've seen I've seen all sorts of hurt that can be done by family. Yet, who knows one better than one's family? Surely they got to see you on a scale no one gets to see you. They know how you sound, they know how you smell, they know all your nasty habits. If anyone has dirt and authority over someone, it's one's family. In fact, our first verse proves just that. In verse 21, his family said he's out of his mind and they tried to take him away thinking he'd gone crazy. That's not exactly the best PR stunt for one's career as a rabbi or a prophet. But that is what Jesus did. That's what Jesus' family did to him. Then on top of it, Jesus lambasts the local leadership, the local leadership, religious leadership. So he not only did he peer out of his mind uh, to his family, not only did he appear out of his mind to his family, but he was insulting the local establishment as if that was going to make things comfortable for his family. And when push came to shove, Jesus turned his own family away in preference to carrying out his mission. In verse, verses 35, 33 through 35, Jesus said, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I can only imagine the reception at home Jesus received after those words. Still, Jesus is teaching us something important to realize about the urgency of his mission. It is second to no other. We often try to live double lives. We try to live as if we both are who we formerly were and who we are as a follower of Christ's as well. Jesus, in turning down his family's request to see him tells us two things. One, he knew their hearts. He knew what they were thinking, how they were feeling, and what they were planning. He would not be deterred from his mission to bring the good news to the people of, of Galilee. So the first thing that, he, that, that his actions tell us is that he could read their hearts. He reads our hearts. The second thing that, that it tells us is that he will not be deterred from his mission, even if that means being rejected by his own family. And we are all constantly having to evaluate what is our most important mission in life. The very thing that takes first place over all other competitions. For some people, it's sports. For others, it's their house or their cars. For some, it's their families. Nothing comes between a good family member and their family. With that said, Jesus teaches us that nothing should get in front of us when it comes to being disciples. 
not even the thunder you hear outside the window getting recorded on this microphone should get in front of us when it comes to being disciples. We are all called to prioritize the mission of Christ, even when we are home among those who know us best. In fact, this is doubly important, for we especially want our family to know the importance of Christ's mission. And they not only need to know it by seeing you go to church, they need to know it by seeing you live your life as the church out in community. They need to see you living Christ's mission and ministry out in your life. And then they will believe it's real for you. And then if they see it's real for you, maybe they'll be interested in making it real for somebody else that they know. You are called to witness to the love of Christ, even if you were not always the person who did, even if your family and friends have dirt on you, even if you lose some family or friends as a result. Christ's mission is primary. As a church community, there is no other mission more important than spreading the words and mission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Spreading his lordship, the knowledge of his lordship, and the urgency of his message is vital to the life of the church. You have been elect of God, given the grace of God to spread the love and peace of God. And you freely, whether you realized it or not, you freely chose this calling because you knew that what Christ did for you had to be shared with others. What this means is this. You, no matter how frightened you might be, are definitely up for the task. You definitely are. You're definitely up for the task. Uh, other guys, otherwise, why would God choose you? When the pandemic hit us, I kept thinking, why God? Why us? Why now? The response that kept coming back to me was this. Why not? Why not you or your church? Why not now? The other question that came to me is, is this your church? Or is this my church? Look, the mission was urgent enough for Jesus to die 2,000 years ago. What would make it less urgent for us? We have a mission to spread, and in many ways, due to the pandemic, we are having to start from scratch in how to spread it. That's great. That's actually great. We have a challenge before us, and a great many sheep to feed and tend to. Let's get it. Let's get to it, my sisters and brothers. Let's get to it. Welcome home. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we just thank you for this message and for uh, inspiring us, but also challenging us to grow in our witness of who you are so that we may constantly be a people who are sharing your love and your light in the world uh, so that that as the years continue on, as the, the days and the moments pass forward, uh, we draw ever closer to your kingdom and your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for tuning in. It's been great to um, to have you join me. Uh, as always, uh, I look forward to bringing these messages. This was the first week. Uh, this uh, June uh, 6th was the first week we were in person at church. Uh, keep our church in prayers. Uh, again, you'll see links in the bottom. If this is your main sustenance, uh, spiritual sustenance, then feel free to give to us. The link, links are in the episode notes. 
If you already have a church and this is supplemental, then by all means give to your church. Uh, They need it as well. But in all things, remember, friends, you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Go in peace. Mm